pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Reach the Horizon, the official podcast of the Horizon League. Your number one source for all the league's top headlines. Here's your host, Justin Kinner. All right, everybody, we welcome you in to Reach the Horizon, the official podcast of the Horizon League. I'm Justin Kinner, your host, excited to be bringing you another week's edition of the show. And keep in mind, this is an exciting time. We are heading into the final weekend of the regular season for both the men and women's college basketball seasons. And I I can't tell you how pumped I am to be able to say that we are about to crown a regular season champion coming up this weekend for both the men and women's side. Let's rewind. Let's think back to when the season initially started back in November, late October, right? I mean, college basketball programs left and right, some Horizon League and and way many more outside of the conference were were pausing activity. Um, They were shut down. Some didn't start the season until January. Some uh, missed the entire month of January. Let's think. I mean, think about Northern Kentucky on the women's side here, who didn't play from January, uh, didn't play basically the entire month of January, and, and had to make up so much work here in the month of February to get to the top half of the Horizon League standings. Cameron Whitaker did a fantastic job navigating her team through that. She's not the only coach though that has had to navigate their teams through this pandemic and everyone has done a fantastic job not just the coaches not just the players but the athletic departments the athletic directors the the schools school presidents i mean this was bigger than sports folks like this is much bigger than sports and we because of the work that has been put in from the schools from the league from the athletic departments we get rewarded with it to even have a basketball season and i can't tell you how happy i am uh to be talking about the conclusion to the regular season and getting geared up for the Horizon League tournament, which starts in just a week. How about that? Exciting times coming our way for you Horizon League basketball fans. And I can't tell you uh, how excited I am for this coming up weekend. A lot still to be determined right now. Wright State on the women's side. It's between Wright State and Milwaukee. Wright State, if they win this weekend in both of their matchups with a very tough Green Bay Phoenix team, they're set. They have this. They they have the one seed heading into the Horizon League Women's Basketball Tournament. On the men's side, Wright State also in the mix right there, but Cleveland State at this very moment has the edge. Now, uh, Cleveland State has the edge. I'm sorry. If Wright State wins both at Northern Kentucky, I would love to tell you that I know exactly what's going to happen, but I don't. I, I don't know how exactly the seeding formula works. And rather than pretend to know, I was like, you know, we need to get someone on this podcast that's going to shed some light onto how exactly this works. How are we figuring out and determining who the true number one seed is on both the men and women's side? Because how do you determine that? Some teams have played more games than others. Some teams missed an entire month. Some teams avoided playing some tough teams altogether. So if a team has a better record than some of the other league teams, but some league teams didn't have to face everyone, like for instance... Not trying to start some controversy here, but if you look at the Wright State women's team, they 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 didn't have to play IUPUI. They avoided the Horizon League Player of the Year in Macy Williams. Now I love my Wright State Raiders. Don't get me wrong, but I'm just pointing that out, right? How so? How do you determine who the fair number one seed is? I can't tell you. So I decided to bring on someone who can tell you. Dan Glyatt, Horizon League representative, director of communications. I'm excited to bring him on here in just a few moments. Dan Glyatt is our guest on this week's edition of Reach the Horizon, the official podcast 
of the Horizon League. And just a reminder that today's interview, as well as all interviews that we bring you on the Reach the Horizon podcast, is brought to you by health and wellness company Zervita, changing lives for the better through nutritional and performance-based products and opportunities. So like I said, it's an exciting weekend. We're going to crown regular season champions. I can't tell you how we're going to do that because I don't necessarily understand the formula, to be honest with you. So rather than pretend, I'm going to bring someone on who can explain it to you. Dan Glyatt, representative of the Horizon League Director of Communications, is our guest. Check it out. If you didn't know about the formula before, you're going to know a lot more about it now and have some answers heading into the final weekend. Here's Dan Glyatt. Dan Glyatt with us here, Horizon League representative, director of communications and digital media strategy, hanging out with us here on this week's edition of Reach the Horizon, the official podcast of the Horizon League. And Dan, uh, before we get into the meat and potatoes of this, discussing the, the you know the seeding formula for how we're going to shape out this bracket as we head into the final week of the regular season, the Horizon League tournament just around the corner. But just like I ask every coach, I want to ask you from a league perspective, with where we're at at this point of the season. Is this about where you expected, you and the league expected things to be? You guys were expecting there to be teams impacted by the virus. Is there Was there more teams impacted by it, less than you thought, or about where you guys expected to be heading in to the, into the postseason? You know, Justin, thanks for having me on, first of all. Yeah, I think, I'm not sure what expectations we had going into this season, because as you said, we were planning and expecting for some teams to be impacted by the pandemic in some sort of way. But I will say... For men's and women's basketball, we have played right now just over 85% of our originally scheduled games. So both men and women are scheduled to play 240 total games. And we're at about an, just over 85% clip. And that's, a, I believe, above the national average for Division One. So I think we're really happy where we're at. And I think that's just kudos to all the teams because there's always sacrifices you have to make for any student athlete and coach, but this year especially. So... It's, a, it's really a testament to everyone making those sacrifices and doing their best to get in a college basketball season this year. Yeah, you want to talk about those sacrifices. I mean, right now is usually a very busy time for athletic directors and their in their entire department as there's just that overlap of the winter sports heading into spring, but this year it's even more different. Now you have way more moving parts because you have spring sports about to start, winter sports are kind of heading into the tail end of their season, and oh yeah, fall sports, they just kicked off uh, with volleyball and everything else going on, so everyone's being pulled in a million different directions, but I think it beats the alternative of not having any sports at all, which was a real concern in the summer heading into this season yeah i totally agree i think with baseball starting this weekend all 19 sports at the horizon lake sponsors (laughs) will be competing all at the same time which is both incredible and like i said a testament to all the hard work that coaches administrators athletic directors presidents and chancellors everyone has done on the camp on their campuses to make this happen but it's a lot going on right now and uh i Athletic training staffs and media relations staffs are are working double and triple time right now. So if you know any of them and can send them some coffee or anything like that, I'm sure they would appreciate it. (laughs) No doubt about that. And and trust me, everyone appreciates the work uh, that they're putting on behind the scenes. I I promise you that much. Uh, But, Dan, I wanted to bring you on to talk about the, we know, with us heading into the final weekend of the regular season for both men and women's college basketball, at least under the Horizon League umbrella, 
there's a lot of questions about how are we going to be able to figure out who is a one seed, two seed, three seed in, in the last seed in the Horizon League tournament because not every team has played the same amount of games. Not every team has faced every team under the Horizon League umbrella. Not every team has faced the same element. Some teams have gotten through without having to miss any Horizon League games at all. Others have been with, you know, if you look at Northern Kentucky on the women's side, they missed the entire month of January pretty much, and they're trying to make up all of that missed time here in the month of February, taking momentum into the tournament. But you guys had to come up with a formula, some kind of model, to be able to seed these teams heading into the Horizon League Basketball Tournament. Take us behind the scenes and tell us a little bit about this model because a lot of questions as far as what factors are being considered when seeding these teams heading into the postseason. Yeah, it's been a very long process to get there and to, to get to this point right now. And I think it's really good to have the history. So if we go back to the summer when we were really kind of talking about this, we were in the middle of the pandemic. We're not even sure if we could have a college basketball season and things like that. And we're working really hard to try to, as you said, find a fair and balanced way of doing it. But knowing going in that there are going to be some competitive inequities this year, it's just going to, that's just the way it's going to be this year. And we fully expected that. So what we tried to do is create a seeding path for an uneven season. And I think the question that always came up was the proverbial, who is better, an 18-2 and two team versus a team that's 12-0? and 0? So a team that played all 20 of their games and only lost twice, or a team that has a, you know, a perfect winning percentage, won all their games, but didn't complete a full season. So how do you balance that? And what we really worked on, and we kind of came down to two different paths. There is an objective route and a subjective route. And the way I kind of look at it, and Justin, I know you're a college football plan, uh, fan, so I know you'll, you'll stick with me here. One was basically the BCS route the old BCS for college football, which is you play the games, you put all the data points into the computers, and it spits out your top two teams, and that's your national championship game. And the other route we had was actually what we call the seeding committee, and that would be closer to what we have right now in college football, which is the college football playoff, with a bunch of people in the room kind of discussing who the top four teams are. Justin, just quick, which one do you like better? Do you like the BCS, or do you like the college football playoff better? I I, because of right now, uh, the you know everything being so subjective, and, and I think you need a human element involved in in regards to trying to understand the elements of the pandemic going on. I don't know if the, with the BCS era, I, I think that's tough to be able to figure that out. But at the same time, I, I don't know. It's a tough balance. Sometimes I don't think you want the human element because then that's going to bring on backlash of oh, well you're just picking your favorites. I think there's pros and cons to both sides. And that's exactly what we were trying to deal with here was trying to how, because the college football has a very similar issue is how do you in all these uneven seasons and everyone's playing different teams and the strength of your own conference and things like that. that those are the exact same things that we were trying to work with is do we go with a formula route, which is very objective. Like I said, you put in the data points, it spits out teams one through 12 and there's no human element at all. It just, everything's on the court. Or do we go with a seating committee? And the seating committee would have been, since all 12 teams were going to play in this year's championship for both men and women, was just ranking those teams 1 through 12 and watching the games and going through the metrics, but really sort of the eye test. And so what we did is that we took both of those routes to our council, and our council is made up of our athletics directors, a faculty athletic representative, an SWA, and a student athlete. And we said, 
here are the two routes that we think that we can go. Which one would you like to do? And the council decided on going the formula route because in a year that was so uneven, they didn't want a human element involved. They wanted a very mm-hmm. objective way of looking at it. So that's how we ended up at the formula. When you guys finalized this formula, it, you know, did you guys present it to coaches? What was the initial feedback from coaches? Were, were coaches involved uh, at all? Was there feedback involved at all, I guess, in coming up with this uh, final decision and formula? Yes. The coaches, both men and women, were both uh, involved in the process. We talked to them about, about both the formula route and the, the seating route. And I think, honestly, the coaches were just – they were so concerned about – wanting all 12 teams in the tournament because there are some conferences at that point when we were discussing this that were talking about not having all the teams in the conference tournament. And with an uneven year, the coaches just really wanted to make sure that everyone had those same opportunities. Even if they didn't play a full schedule, they still wanted that same opportunity to play in the tournament. And I think at the end of the day, they just wanted some fair system, whether it would be the seating committee or the formula route. I think they were just wanting to make sure that everyone had the same opportunities to play games and make it into the tournament. But, yes, we did discuss both routes with them and ultimately took those suggestions into the council room, and that's when the council decided to go with the formula. Dan Glyatt with us here on Reach the Horizon, the official podcast of the Horizon League. So you guys, you, you finalize uh, this formula and you start implementing it in not standings, but the seating chart. And as of right now, every time one goes out, uh, there, you know, you have fans asking a lot of questions. They're confused as to how this comes about. And with that being said, you, you start looking at it, and I'm like, you know, it reminds me of when the Big Ten in college football you referenced and er, referenced it earlier. They they had the worst case scenario present itself. The worst case scenario was that Ohio State you needed five games to get into the Big Ten championship, and Ohio State was going to come up just short. I believe it was six, and they had to change the rules a bit to make sure that they got Ohio State in, and that's how people word it and try to say they're picking favorites. But the worst case scenario ended up presenting itself. I don't see that necessarily happening here with the Horizon League and both the men and women's side. In fact, when you look at the two teams on both sides, men and women, both teams have a lot of games in. Both teams are neck and neck in the standings right now. Wright State will start on the women's side, 15-3 and in the conference, 15-5 and overall. They've won six straight. IUPUI right behind them. They have player of the year, reigning player of the year, Macy Williams. These are the two top teams going head-to-head right now. There is a gap. Wright State might make this easier on you guys on the women's side than what Wright State and Cleveland State is going to make it on you guys on the men's side, I'm sure. I would say on the women's side, I mean, Green Bay plays at Wright State this weekend. If they were to win both of those games, 14-4, and four, Wright State would be 15-5. and five. I mean, the, the top of the women's basketball is really good this year, and Milwaukee was on a hot start, but they have a chance to be 15-5 and five this year. But that's honestly why we have this formula this year was to try to figure out how do you differentiate between a right state that may be 15 and 5 and a green bay that's 14 and 4 that's tough to try to figure that out so we put those into the formula and then we we get our answer because we want to make sure that it's objective and we have everything decided on the court with the formula just out of curiosity i mean you have the you know when you start breaking it down the formula is what necessarily what factors are really built into this formula in regards to how this is going to shape up heading into this final weekend yeah so i will say we talked with our council once we decided that we wanted to go the formula route and they really wanted to have four priorities in this formula so that was league winning percentage you know, winning games. We wanted to factor in, you know, we wanted to prioritize winning basketball games. 
Then it was league strength of schedule. Who did you play? I think there's a couple of misconceptions in terms of, well, the net and blah, blah, blah. This is only for league play only. So it's your league strength of schedule. And that's when I talk about if teams are playing an uneven amount of games, that's how we try to average it out. Because you may have missed playing a couple of the top teams. That's when we, what we were thinking about over the summer is you might have played 12 games, but you missed on playing the two of the top teams. So how do we reconcile all that? So we did that with the league strength of schedule. We also weighted road wins over home wins. <clears throat> I think historically in college basketball, home teams win 70% of their games. And so this year we didn't factor it that much, but we did want to make sure that if a team went on the road and swept on the road, that they were rewarded a little bit more than if they sweep at home. And then the last was the number of league games played. And we wanted everything to be decided on the court. We wanted to reward teams that were willing to make those sacrifices and play on the and play their games and reward teams that were able to get 20 and 18 games in this, this year. So I will say it's similar to the old RPI. Right now, the NCAA ranks all their teams in order by using the net. That stands for NCAA Evaluation Tool. But before that, it was the RPI, and the RPI actually factored in your winning percentage, your strength of schedule, and then weighting road wins and home wins. What we did is that we tweaked that old RPI a little bit to better represent the, the four priorities, but also had the element of number of league games played in there as well. So if anyone tries to go in and just plug in the old all these numbers into the old RPI formula, they're not going to get what we come up with every single week. But it's, it's very much based off of that because really the RPI has a lot of those factors that we talked about built into it already. As we head into the final week uh, on the men's side, Wright State fifteen and three in Horizon League play, Cleveland State fifteen and three in Horizon League play. Uh, you see a lot of feedback on social media right away. Well, Wright State seventeen and four. They they have more wins than Cleveland State. How is Cleveland State ahead of them in those seedings? So this formula that we just discussed is what positions Cleveland State to head. And again, big weekend coming up for both. Wright State has two at Northern Kentucky. Cleveland State wrapping things up in the regular season as well this weekend. So a lot's going to be on the line, and they both basically do kind of control their own destiny. The most important thing is winning, but this formula is going to play a role in who we consider the final last man standing out of the, on the men's side. Yes, and just like in traditional years, their, record, their overall records might be different, but all we're focused on is league play right mm-hmm. now. So they're both 15-3. and three. They're both honestly neck and neck at one and two, but Cleveland State is slightly ahead of Wright State. But that could change this weekend, especially with strength of schedule. If they both if they both do the same thing this weekend, split or win both, they're going to have the same record. So that's when strength of schedule will come in. If they have the same number of road wins and home wins, I don't remember that. And they would have played the same number of games at 20. So really their strength of schedule could be the largest factor in who becomes the number one seed and who's the number two seed. But really, we have two teams that could end the season at 17-3. and three. And if, if you would have asked me over the summer, hey, Dan, we're going to have two teams who played all 20 of their games in the schedule, <laughs> and they both end up 17-3, and three, I would have taken that absolutely. So it's, and it's very exciting coming down the stretch here. All right. Going to be interesting nonetheless. Dan, as we let you go, any closing thoughts as we head into this final regular season weekend? You know, like I said, I just want to just say that all these teams – You know, everyone has worked really hard this year, and it's been such an exciting year. We've had a ton of great games all around, and I'm just looking forward to finishing up the regular season, getting into tournament play, and crowning a champion in Indianapolis. 
All right, this has been Reach the Horizon, the official podcast of the Horizon League. Dan Glyatt, Horizon League representative, good enough to kind of shed some light onto some of the behind-the-scenes workings of what has led us to this as we head into the final weekend of the regular season where there is a different you know, model, a uh, formula, going into how we're going to crown a regular season champion coming up this weekend, and it's neck and neck on both the men and the women's sides. Dan, thanks so much for your time, and uh, I'm sure every, all the listeners appreciate, too, having a little bit more insight as to the behind-the-scenes workings of the formula. Yeah, thanks a lot, Justin. Appreciate the time.